Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 73, and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. Thank you for joining me again on this lovely Tuesday. I am excited to share a different type of interview. Um, I had some thoughts the other day. It's so interesting when, I think I've said this before, but I have a tendency to start projects and then get bored of them and then quit them and do something else. Um, And that's just kind of how I live my life. But this podcast has continued to go and grow and gain support and people listening and having people reach out to be on it, which is a very interesting and awesome thing for it to have turned into. But every once in a while, like you should with all projects that you are working on, um, think about what you've done and kind of where you want to go with it. And although I don't prioritize the podcast as much as I would like to, just because I have other paying clients that need to be put first, I do listen to podcasts all the time and I reflect on how my podcast is being consumed and what people think about it and the types of people that I have on it. And I love every single one of the guests that I've had on so far. Um, But what I realized, just to be open and honest with you guys that are listening, is that there are very similar stories and takeaways that come out of just interviewing small business owners and entrepreneurs. And I love hearing people's stories. And that's obviously why I started this podcast and how I grew my blog. Um, But it is it was interesting to think about the podcast episodes that I listen to and the ones that I really enjoy are ones that are on specific topics rather than just sharing someone's life, if that makes sense. So getting a little more value and education out of something, using people's opinions and experience and knowledge to share education about specific things, um, if that makes sense. And so um, the interview that I have today with Kay, she is a good one to really solidify my thoughts because this interview is about a specific topic and her knowledge and experience from running events around politics and public policy. And we kind of talk specifically about that rather than her own personal journey. So um, I hope you like this different type of interview. And if you do, please let me know um, on Instagram. If you don't actually also let me know and we can discuss why you don't like it, but I'm always open for the types of people that I have on this podcast and where you want to see it go with the topics and interviews that I have. It is obviously business marketing, social media based. However, I think that is all intertwined with the rest of life. And I think being informed in all areas of life is very important. So Uh, I'm done rambling about my thoughts. So that's what um, today's uh, Tuesday podcast intro is. So Keishi is the interview today. She is a practicing corporate lawyer with a passion for public policy and politics. She started Room Where It Happens in 2017 as a space for young professional women to come together to discuss policies and politics that affect our lives daily. Kay shares how and why she started it, what people can expect from the events, and the types of topics that are discussed. We also talk about how to have a safe, respectful conversation about public policy and politics with the people around you. 
why finding a safe space to talk is important for developing confidence in our opinions and knowledge and why voting is so important and the key first step to take when standing up for what you believe in and making a difference in your community. And I just want to be 100% uh, transparent about this, that I don't vote. So if if you have a problem with that, I apologize, but I do like staying open-minded and hearing what people have to say, whether or not I participate in politics. You will not find me having discussions or arguments about politics just because I don't vote. And I understand that if I'm not voting, then I do not have the space to have an opinion about that, which I don't. I do not want to talk about what is happening in politics right now. That's just how I feel about it. Sorry if that offends you. Um, But we do talk about this, and I think it is important for um, women especially to stand up for what they believe in and share their thoughts and get involved in the communities that support what they are all about. So just wanted to put that out there because I know some people listening will know that I'll be hypocritical if I talk about how important voting is and then um, not actually voting myself. So just putting that out there. This is a great interview. Like I said, it's a different type of interview with a specific topic. So let me know what you think about it um, on Instagram, screenshot it, tag me, let me know that you're listening. So now that I'm done with that very long intro, let's jump into it. Here is Kay. Do you want to start with introducing yourself, what you do, and give us two fun facts? Sure. So uh, my name is Kay Shi. Uh, in my day job, I practice law uh, in the corporate commercial space, but my real love is actually politics and public policy. Um, and I'm the founder of a nonprofit called Rim Where It Happens. And the whole genesis of Rim Where It Happens is to create a space where women can get together to support each other and chat about politics, public policy, and the issues of the day. Um, fun facts about me. Um, Actually, Rachel, you and I were in a sorority together once upon a time in our undergraduate career. Seems like a long time ago. Was a long. And I think most. (laughs) (laughs) And I think most people, uh, you know, understanding that we're based out of Canada, are sort of like, oh, you guys have sororities up in Canada. And yes, we do. We are small but mighty, and um, I'm very grateful that my time there got me um, to become friends with some very cool and special people, including yourself, Rachel. Yeah, it's actually crazy. I was thinking about that the other day um, because I'm planning a wedding, and two of my bridesmaids are actually like Emily and Suman from the sorority. And it's so funny because at the time when we were in it, I was like, oh, like, what is this? What are we going to do? Like, we're not going to be friends. And then it turns out that so many people that I know now, that's where I met them. So it worked out better than I I thought. agree. <laughs> I know. I would, I will say my, most of my closest friends are because of the sorority um, that we joined. And um, it's funny because I think a lot of us came from different backgrounds, different disciplines. Uh, we were studying different things in school, and we probably never would have crossed paths for each uh, with each other had it not been for the sorority. So, 
somehow it worked out. Um, we all get along well, and it's great to hear that, A, congratulations, and B, great to hear that some of uh, the sorority gals are in your wedding party. Yeah, no, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you have a second fun fact? I feel like we interrupted. Oh, it. gosh. Oh, yes. Um, second fun fact, um, I'm left-handed, and some of the coolest people I know uh, are left it as well. Um, Barack Obama, famously, is left-handed. So um, Barack and Obama and I share that. We have that in common. We're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think so. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so we are going to talk about Room Where It Happens, which you kind of already started introducing. Um, do you want to talk about how it started and why it started? Yeah, so how the room started um, was I've been involved in politics for much of my adult life. Um, I don't know if you recall, Rachel, but in university, I actually ran for a position in the student union, and that was sort of my first foray into politics. Um, and even in the, in the small world of student union politics, you, I think, get a pretty good sense of um, how policies can affect people, how politics can affect people, and how to navigate that world to get um, good policies that work for the people that it's supposed to govern and affect. So from my student union days, uh, I was hooked. I love the idea of um, making public policy better. Essentially, you know, I'm going to say public policy a lot, probably during our conversation, and I think most people, when they hear public policy, sort of turn their ears off. It sounds boring. Um, it's not something, it's not cool and sexy, but I would argue that public policy is cool and sexy and interesting, and politics is in some ways the best kind of reality TV that life offers. So. Um, I think public policy has a way of really impacting people's lives and their quality of life, and it should. So um, it's important that we get it right, and it's important that we listen to everyone and we consult people in a way that's meaningful uh, to get the best public policy that works for all people. So um, one of the things that I um, started experiencing more and more as I developed more experience, whether it was volunteering on political campaigns, or reading and studying about public policy. I have a master's of public policy as well from the University of Calgary. Um, is that there is a segment of the population, women, young women, who for various reasons, don't feel very engaged about the public policy that affects their lives. They don't feel like the policies that govern their lives are actually reflective of their values and decisions that they would want. So this was my way of creating a safe space where young professional women can get together and talk about the issues of the day. Um, 
because when we start talking about these issues, we start to realize that A, we know way more than we thought we did, and B, that we are learning from each other about each other's experiences in this space, and C, how to come to solutions that work for people. That's why I started Room Where It Happens. The name in itself um, is a little play on words. Um, you know, we always hear, you know, this saying, well, I wasn't in the room where it happened. You know, essentially, you don't feel like you have been, you were invited to the room where the decision was happening. And I think lots of young women feel that way about public policy decisions. So this is my way of opening the door to that room where decisions are made and essentially saying you're invited. Everyone is invited to participate in these discussions and make these discussions happen. I love that. I think that's such a good idea. And like you said, there isn't a lot of space for that demographic, like young professional women to really have their voice heard. And it's also hard. It's not like you can just show up at like a coffee date or a party and just load up in people about public policy and force them to talk about it. So it's good to have like a, <laughs> like a safe space that people actually want to have these discussions and talk about it. I get it. Um, I get why people don't want to go to a party and talk about public policy and politics because sometimes it's very divisive and it's very emotional. And we, you know, we would rather talk about things that we know um, people are going to be on the same side about, you know, talking about the weather or, you know, food. Um, but at the same time, it's so interesting because it affects our lives and it's so important because it affects our lives. Totally. Well, and I think especially because we're all adults and we're all voting, we're all doing all these things that um, impacts our lives that we should be more educated and aware of what other people in our demographic are thinking and really what's going on and how we can make an impact rather than, like you said, just kind of avoiding the whole situation. Yeah. And hey, I'm, I'm the first to know, um, you know, being in the industry um, I'm in where I'm practicing law and practicing law in a lot of times um, in an oil and gas context that people get emotional about this stuff. People um, feel very strongly about certain issues and rightfully so because these are important issues that matter a lot. Um, so you want to approach it in the right way. And sometimes it's just easier to talk about things that are simpler and more agreeable than talk about politics. Exactly. Um, and you started in 2017, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the way, um, you know, I, being involved in politics, I would get um, political candidates asking me all the time, I'd love to meet a group of young professional women and hear their thoughts about certain issues, you know, whether it is more gendered issues such as healthcare or education, but generally just issues in general that matter um, and that government has influence and impact over. So I, what I heard in my mind was, oh, you want me to organize a party of for my you know, closest girlfriends and then you get to talk to them? Sounds great. Happy to do it. 
And as I kept doing it more and more, I realized these women in my life who are all so incredible in their own right. They have diverse stories. Um, they're all leaders in their community in different ways. They have different experiences, different educations, different skill sets. And they all can come to a table and offer incredible perspectives of, through the lens of the lives they've lived um, and come up with solutions that I think a lot of times governments haven't even, even turned their minds to. So I said, you know, why don't we actually put a, pack, put a, a brand and a label over it and host these things more regularly? And that's how Room Where It Happened started. Cool. And has the like number of people attending and the type of people attending shifted and evolved since you started to like the last event that you just had? Yeah, definitely. So when I started envisioning what these room uh, events uh, look like, and we call it room, it's sort of a short little um, way we refer to room where it happens is, you know, we thought about what would, how to make events a really bespoke and curated experience that women would want to attend and attend over again. So one of the main keys, as we like to call it, uh, to room is the guest list of women. Um, it's actually never more than about 40 women total. Um, and we actually curate the guest list. So we pick who we want to, uh, to attend based on a variety of factors, based on different disciplines, different um, skill sets, different lived experiences. And all of those, uh, we pick about 20 women who are able to all invite a friend. So it sort of expands the network um, as well. But the only real requirement to being on this guest list is to have an interesting story and an interesting opinion, which we all do. Um, so that's one of the things that's I think special about Room and sets it apart from other networking events where you sort of come to the room, you don't know anyone, they ask you to slap, put your name on a sticky and slap it on your, on your jacket. Um, and you know, if you pick up some um, business cards along the way, great. But we know often that you know, it's very hard to meet people even at networking events. So the other thing that I think sets room apart is um, once everyone has RSVP'd, we actually circulate um, attendee bios um, list. So you know exactly who else is coming. You get a little bit of background about who they are. So you're already going into that, this event knowing who you're going to be meeting and if there's you know somebody that you've read their profile just seems like somebody you'd like to meet you have that in mind before you come into the event which makes your networking experience i think much more enjoyable and fruitful totally i agree with that because you never want to go in blind because like you said nobody likes doing that um no definitely not <laughs> and then you end up with too much small talk and like now you're just back at like normal party boring conversation so at least this is set <laughs> Or you're like, I sort of remember their first name. No idea what their last name is. In exchange business cards. So I guess that's it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah won't be able to reach out. 
Um, and what can people expect from the events? Like, how are they set up? Is it like, is there a speaker or is it just like talking to each other, like cocktail style or what, what's the layout of this event? Yeah, so our events are, are quite curated um, and to the extent that the first half an hour is usually the registration and networking period where you have the chance to informally network with the other attendees who are there. And then um, the events are all centered around an issue and a speaker. So we will invite um, a speaker to give a short and, in, and impactful presentation on the issue. So some of the rooms that we've held, the issues have been diverse, but they all have a public policy or political component to it. Um, some, one of the events we held was on the Alberta election, which happened earlier this year, where we had two speakers come in and uh, who are from um, a government relations firm, telling us the ins and the outs of this um, this particular election, who the candidates are, what issues they, they stand for, and then the, what I call the juicy part, you know, what is the, the drama that's happening? You know, why are we hearing so much about um, certain candidates and what they said? Um, and it's a way for, for, I think, the attendees in the, in the room to A, learn more, but B, also ask questions and sort of be able to verbalize things they were feeling about the election that was that things that feeling that they've never been able to verbalize before um so that's uh that's sort of there's a speaker component part and that's never more than 20 30 minutes and then we have half an hour of questions because it's meant to be a very informal and engaging uh, conversation between the speakers and the attendees. So the whole thing is done in about an hour and a half, um, and you're welcome to stay and network and grab dinner with the, with the, with the friends that you've just made. Uh, but the last part of our room is that we call to action piece. So what that means is at the end of every room, there's a call to action. There's something that we want attendees to do that are, is connected to the issue we talked about. So in the example of the Alberta election, the call to action was easy. That the call to action was to go vote on voting day or in the advanced voting period. Um, in other events we've done, for example, we did one, um, it was titled Champagne and Dior, where we visited the, the Dior exhibit uh, and at the, Glenville Museum, and we had the event sponsored by Renard Champagne. Um, we had a, a, a woman who is essentially pursuing her PhD in wine. I didn't realize you could get a PhD in wine, but um, it, it's very impressive. She's probably, she's one of five people in Canada um, who has, who, um, has that designation or is pursuing that designation and I think the only woman. So um, the call to action for that one was to um, in the future uh, purchase uh, a wine 
a, a bottle of wine from a female winemaker or a winery that has good diversity practices. Uh, so the call to action can be very wide ranging, but they always link back to the issue that we're talking about. Cool. That's awesome. That's like a different way to continue like what you've learned or what you've experienced in the room and then bring it out to like your everyday life. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I think another thing with these networking events is sometimes you're like, okay, I had a great time, but now what? So what? You know, I'm either having to reach out um, for coffee with people that I've met in the future, but it's like, what can I, I'm, I'm sure we're always looking for that next thing and when, when we go to an event, like what's the, what's the next thing? What's the next touch point? Um, and I think uh, our call to action does that really well and um, essentially makes our attendees think about that issue a little more after the event. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think that's, good then for spreading awareness and about the topic and getting other people involved too because if people have a good experience and have learned something and have met people and they can go out and share that with other people that they know and then maybe they'll come to the events and the whole like movement grows yes exactly we're all about bringing this message to more and more people each time so our call to action is is the way that our our rooms get the reverberation that it's looking for and just in general, what would you say are the biggest challenges that this demographic, the young female professionals, are facing in today's world when it comes to public policy and politics? Um, I think, you know, the challenge that young professional women face uh, when it comes to talking about public policy or impacting public policy, a lot of it is similar to to what I assume um, men are, are facing as well in terms of just the divisiveness of the topics and as such um, sort of a lack of eagerness to talk about it in the public space that I think sometimes women seem to have more trouble with that than men. Um, this is anecdotal evidence, but when I talk to my girlfriends sometimes, Say about the election again. A lot of times they'll preface their comments with, oh, well, I haven't done enough research about it yet, or I don't know too much about this. Uh, but, and then they, you know, go into this thought piece that is actually so intelligent and thoughtful um, and should be shared with more people. So my whole sort of takeaway is if you have the self-awareness to know that you don't know everything about this issue, that um, there's lots more you haven't considered, you're, you're probably on the right track um, and that you should be sharing your opinion because if you don't share your opinion, which is valid, incredible, um, and thoughtful, then you're doing public policy and you're doing the community around you a disservice by not sharing and speaking up about your perspective. Totally. When I feel like that's not even just with these topics, but more of a general overall sense of women not having confidence in their opinion or not wanting to share it or like fearful of the backlash that they'll get by sharing whatever their opinion is. Yeah, I think it's something that, you know, women in particular have had to navigate their whole lives. Um, and, you know, one of those 
books that I keep going back to is Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In, you know, the perception of people uh, um, with regards to women versus men, you know, whether you're assertive or bossy. Um, I don't know if you can swear on this, on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, perfect. You know, so, um, well, I don't need to for this one, but you know, you know where this conversation leads to women being called certain names that men otherwise that men wouldn't be called when they're being assertive um, and exercising sort of these leadership skills and getting the work done and driving projects along. So it's something that women have had to navigate their whole lives and it's no different in politics. And in a way, politics is one of those spaces where it's especially not friendly to women. There's not um, a lot of women in leadership position in politics. but we know that where women do uh, are when women are elected, uh, they are usually doing great work. Um, they usually are very popular with the constituents um, that elected them for a brief time. But they also have to meet a higher standard, arguably, to stay in power. So all that to say, women have been facing these sort of systemic challenges their whole lives, and uh, politics is is no exception. Totally. And I think the space that you are creating is a good stepping stone for at least giving women, giving women the space to become more confident in their opinion and then be able to take that outside of the room. Thank you. That's really great to hear. Um, and what advice would you give women who maybe are intimidated to go to an event like this, even if you do have the bios, um, because women can be intimidating themselves, especially when there's like a whole room of them. So what advice would you give to women who want to start, um, going to more networking events like this? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, certainly a room full of all women is different. Uh, it's a different dynamic than a room full of all men but in my personal experience I think there is more intimidation when you're walking into a room of all men Um, when you're walking into a room where there is at least some women uh, I think there is more there's a little bit more camaraderie just even knowing that there's someone that you can identify with um, through through a gendered lens not to say that that's the only thing that um, characterizes you, but I think it creates an extra safe space. Um, I think sometimes, you know, there is that perception of, of mean girls, uh, and that's, that's true uh, of guys as well, but um, I think, you know, the tone is set at the very beginning of room, at the beginning of event, and even in the materials before that, this is meant to, be a safe and respectful space and a space to meet people who don't necessarily uh, share the same lived experience with you. So it's supposed to be a very rewarding experience when you meet somebody that um, you don't know, uh, but you know that they have been curated to be on this guest list because they, they have something interesting to say and something meaningful to offer. So I think this is. Um, as far as 
spaces where you can network in an unintimidating uh, manner, this is as good as it gets. Which is awesome. And I think people just have to take that chance and then go out to find the space like that. Um, and how do you have any like tools or tips for people to have these types of conversations outside of the room? Like if they're to take what they've learned and experienced and bring it to say their partner or their group of friends, do you have any specific ways people can like open these conversations without coming off as hostile? Mm-hmm. I encourage all attendees um, to share even one little thing about what they, they've learned from the, the room event that they attended at the dinner table. Whether it's dinner table with your family, dinner table with your friends, maybe dinner table with your colleagues. Because you know that saying, don't talk about politics at the dinner table. I think the saying needs to go away and the saying needs to be replaced with the sentiment that we need to learn about how to talk about politics in a safe and respectful way. And what better way to do that than at the dinner table where you're breaking bread and sharing a very human, common experience. We all have to eat. Um, if you can't talk about politics in a and learn to talk about politics in a safe and respectful way over the dinner table. I certainly don't know how you're going to be able to, to do it when you are, you know, in a public forum or whether you're at the board table or something else. I think this is the dinner table can be a very safe space um, for us to share some of the similarities we have with each other. And I think we, you're going to find a lot of common ground when you talk about politics at the dinner table because you realize at the end of the day, everyone is so similar uh, in many ways. We all want the same things. We all want, you know, um, a prosperous community. We want a sustainable uh, and healthy um, community for ourselves and for our children. We just have a lot of differences about the best way to get there. So I'm a big fan of food. I think it can build a lot of bridges. So I encourage everyone, maybe start a, that conversation at the dinner table. And I think you'd be, um, you'd be very surprised at what you, you hear. Yeah, and just give people the chance to have a normal conversation. Because I guess if you go into it thinking that they're going to get all heated about it, then you haven't even given the conversation a chance. And like you said, the dinner table is supposed to be like a normal, nice place to talk. So no one should really get all worked up about it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm laughing as I have <laughs> this image of, you know, some of your listeners giving you and I feedback saying, you know, I tried that and it has ruined Thanksgiving. Um, and that's not the intention, <laughs> but <laughs> and apologies if this is what this is what the, your result was but um I think you know if you're coming from a respectful and safe um mind if you're coming from a respectful mindset about how to approach the conversation listening not just arguing not just trying to paint people in a corner um with and you know attacking their ideas as unreasonable as, you know, fantasy, as 
um, narrow-minded. I already think the the process of doing that uh, will take us so much further um, than than not thinking about it. Agreed. I totally agree with you. Um, and what are some of the biggest takeaways that you've had since you started hosting these events a couple years ago? I think the biggest takeaway I've experienced from meeting, I will say, so we've had a, over 150 room attendees come through room events, and they've come from just the most interesting backgrounds and interesting experiences. Um, I think the one thing that I've taken away is um, that a lot of times women feel a little bit apologetic uh, about having an opinion or having thoughts about politics and public policy. And with the right group of women and support around them, with the right space, uh, where they can they can start to express these opinions, you'll find that they become so empowered so quickly to talk about public policy and then to take the next step, which is to impact public policy. So, uh, I, you know, my biggest takeaway is that once you give women sort of the tools and the encouragement, they aren't going to be apologetic about their opinions and expressing them and they're not going to be apologetic about not knowing everything about the issue because they have confidence that what they are saying is credible is thoughtful and contributes to the public policy discussion in a, in a meaningful and useful way and that's the best way for things to happen like in regards to public policy and in politics is um, to have more of that confidence when speaking about it. Totally. I think confidence is everything um, sometimes for, for women who look at the policies around them and sometimes are like, what? Like who made this decision? This does not work for my life in the slightest. Like the example I think of off the top of my head is um, recently one of the co-founders of this bar studio, Bar Bell, Christy Stewart, her, her name is, you know, she's just a regular gal who's like minding her own business, um, taking care of her family, is a small business owner, and then realized that small business owners were getting um, essentially a property tax bill, which was four times in some cases, um, what the bill was the year before. And, you know, she, I follow her on Instagram. She seems like a very fun, you know, like awesome lady who was kind of minding her business, doing her thing and was like, wait a second, this public policy does not work for me at all. And for, for the business that I'm running. So, you know, she, it didn't seem like she had a background in, you know, public policy anal uh, analysis or politics and navigating the political process. But she said, you know what, this is not working for me. I'm going to mobilize everyone I know to, to have a protest in front of City Hall. And she was able to mobilize enough people, enough public support that it actually influenced City Council's decision on the vote that they were having that day on um, 
property taxes. So, you know, I think she's a great example of how women uh, don't need to know everything about the public policy process or politics, but they need to be confident that their lived experience matters and that the public policy that affects their lives should reflect their experiences and what what and their values essentially totally um yeah i remember when that happened and i saw i didn't wasn't able to make it downtown but i did see it all happen which also leads me into my next question because chrissy was a great example she's also a great bar teacher if you ever want to get your ass kicked and <laughs> she will do that too it's a very hard class <laughs> noted um, <laughs> if someone wants to do what christy did maybe not that dramatic and extreme which is awesome for her but if someone isn't ready to do that much for it how can women get involved in changing public policy or voicing their opinion um to the people that need to listen and are making the decisions i think the number one thing that anyone can do and this is true for women um is to actually vote on voting day uh in sort of the political campaigning space, we have this term called GOTV, which stands for get out the vote. And essentially, you know, you can agree with me, you can disagree with me if I'm a political party or a political candidate that's running. But at the end of the day, if you don't vote for me, there's not a lot of accountability uh, between you and I. So voting, I I strongly believe is the number one way you can um, keep your elected official accountable to you and your values. I'm not saying our political process is perfect. I'm not saying the way um, first past the post, which is a certain type of electoral system, doesn't have its strengths and weaknesses um, and sort of can um, distort your vote. But at the end of the day, it's the best, it's the system we have, and it's the best way that you can keep your elected, you can impact public policy. That being said, if you want to take it to the next step, um, whatever issue that, you know, is grinding your gears, whether it is the amount of fluoride in your water or the um, amount of funding that goes into public education, whatever it is. Um, I encourage you to uh, talk to your friends about it because that will give you confidence and that will um, help you learn more about the issue from different people's perspectives. And then don't be afraid to reach out to your local uh, elected official um, and express that opinion and express your concerns. So what if you don't have a solution for, for whatever your concern is? You're not expected to. You're not the elected official. You're not in government with all the tools um, and the capabilities to make that decision. But you have all the power to at least float your issues up to that elected official and make sure that you're heard. Totally. And I think that's awesome advice for people that just don't really know where to start. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, and um, I mean, there's so every issue, I think uh, it, it, public policy just affects 
your whole life in ways that you hadn't even thought about, you know, the way um, your snow removal, how, how often your, your snow, the snow gets removed on your street is a public policy issue with lots of ramifications for, you know, how you get to work, how you get to your kids to, to school in time, um, how safe you feel on the roads. Um, everything up to the big things, you know, the amount of taxes you have to pay um, when it comes to tax season. So it, it impacts you. So make sure that your voice is heard. And a great step is to come to where it happens. So where can people like find more information about the events? When's the next event happening? How can people get on the list? All the details. Yeah. Um, so our website is roomwhereithappens.org, where you can sign up uh, and be put sort of on our, our mailing list. Um, in terms of events, our, because our events are limited to usually around 40 people, um, each event, um, the information that we get from you after you've signed up on our mailing list will help us determine, um, you know, the 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 room that we want to invite you to and the skill sets and the stories that you're bringing to the table to make sure that we get a good, even distribution of people from different experiences, different parts of the political spectrum, et cetera. And um, otherwise you can follow us on Instagram is happens. And our next event, uh, we have, uh, we took the summer off, but we have some very exciting events and our first one will be uh, called Of Dogs and Democracy. And it's talking about how um, dogs uh, can actually be an incredible indicator of how healthy your dem the democracy um, of the community that you're living in is. So stay tuned for that. Uh, as you know, as you may know, there is a federal election coming up. Uh, I think it's in October, October 21st is when it's supposed to be. So we'll be doing some coverage and some events on that too. So stay tuned. Awesome. And if someone wants to connect personally with you, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, my email is on the website, k at roomwhereithappens.org. Um, and I think, you know, 21st century, I, I think I look at my Instagram messages quite frequently too so don't be afraid to reach out to us um on instagram through a direct message and we'd be happy to to um get you the information you need and hopefully connect further awesome well thanks so much for sharing all of that it's informative and um i don't even know if i mentioned this in the emails before but i've never had anybody on that talks about politics or public policy or getting involved in it so this is awesome for the podcast. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, part of what I was trying to do with Room is speak to an audience where, um, you know, when they hear public policy, they might sort of turn their ears off. Uh, but, you know, between sort of the brand of your podcast and the Instagram um, content that you put out, which I think is so great. I'm a, I'm a big fan um, that they can look, you know, if you're interested in clothing or skincare that you're putting out, that they can maybe come across this, com this conversation and say, 
you know what? I'm actually interested in public policy too. And I, I got something to say about that. Totally. And it opens the doors for people who maybe didn't want to like say they're interested in talking about it or something, you know, like I feel like we're all trying to be so cool and collected on social media and maybe don't want to share the other interests that we have that our friends might not agree with or something like that. Yeah, it's definitely, oh, politics is just, it can get so spicy so quickly. But um, I think we owe it to ourselves to try to have that conversation. And I think we can have that conversation in a way that's really fun and respectful and um, solutions oriented. You know, sometimes I think politics lacks, and I think a lot of people feel this way, lack just like common sense and I think you know we all have common sense as regular people who are just trying to live our our best lives under the best policy frameworks so let's let's infuse some of our common sense into this space totally I love it that's a great note to end on great well thank you so much for having me